Hello, everybody. This is Kevin Witham, and welcome to Season 3 of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. Jesus valued unity and prayed for it, that we may all be one. We believe unity is best achieved through relationships rather than beginning with disagreements over doctrine, practice, or ideology. We value the gathering, breaking bread and sharing a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage. We invite you to gather with another Christian outside your particular family of churches and tell others that unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and let's get started with another episode of the Common Ground Unity Podcast. Welcome to episode 98 of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. I'm Tina Bruner, and I'm happy today to be co-hosting with Mike Mack from Christian Standard. And uh, we'll be looking forward to Kevin with him being back with us next time. But tonight we're going to be talking about revival. Our episode is titled Asbury, Let's Talk Revival. And we're super excited to have uh, some special guests with us tonight. First of all, uh, Mike Mack is going to be giving his insights as well as co-hosting, and he is the editor of the Christian Standard. He served in churches in Ohio, Indiana, Idaho, and Kentucky, and he's written more than 25 books and discussion guides, as well as hundreds of magazine, newspaper, and web-based articles. Mike is our guest on episode 26 and 27, so go back and listen to those episodes. You'll be blessed and learn more about him there. We're going to hear a bit about Mike's experience at Asbury and then ask him to join us as the, on the co-hosting side of our microphone. And then our guests are Terrence Terman, currently serves as the Associate Pastor City Region at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky, where he focuses primarily on discipleship, spiritual formation, and community impact outside the walls of the church. Terrence has been married for over 10 years and shares in loving four kiddos with his wife, and he holds an MA in Bible and Theology from Lincoln Christian University, and Terrence is the author of Significant, Seven Invitations to Heart Revival. You can find a link in the show notes or find it on Amazon. Haley Anderson is our other guest, and she grew up at Northeast Christian Church in Louisville, and she's marketing and public relations student, resident assistant, and student worker in the Strategic Communications Department at Asbury University in Wilmore. She also serves as Turning Point USA Hub President. She's a member of Asbury's Newswatch program, and she's gained experience in anchoring, news reporting, producing, and directing, and was recently interviewed by the local Louisville news station and Fox News about the Asbury revival. Her interviews were highlighted as an article on the Christian Standard website at christianstandard.com, and we'll put links to all of this in the show notes. So I have done a lot of talking. Hello, Terrence. Hello, Haley. Hello, Mike. How are you guys tonight? Good. Thanks for having us. Terrence, how's things going for you? Things things are going great. Um, Excited to be here. Um, Excited to get to talking about revival. It's all that God is doing in the Kentuckyana area. So it's been great to see. That's awesome. Mike, how are things with you? Going great, Tina. Thanks for including me in this. Yeah. Well, you guys did some really great coverage on the Asbury revival at the Christian standard. And, you know, there were lots of people that were covering that, but, but Mike, I really appreciated the the work that you all did on um, like giving perspective to that. And yeah, it was really good. Some listeners may not know about the vigil revival that took place at Asbury university in Wilmore, Kentucky. And if they don't know about it, I don't know where they've been even in Poland, where I am in 
I am now, people were asking me, like, was I from Wilmore? And I was like, it's not far, but I'm not from there. So they had been hearing about it over here as well. Mike, could you share a little bit about what happened and your experience being there uh, firsthand? Sure. I, yeah, I heard, I heard a little bit about what was going on. I think it was on Facebook, on the news, uh, wherever. And I just decided that I just, I wanted to go. I, I, it almost felt like, um, I was just called to go down and not so much as a reporter, uh, to report about it in Christian standard. I wanted to go for myself to see and experience what was happening there. Um, just to be a part of if the Holy Spirit is moving in a special way, God's if God's showing up, I just want to be there. It so, just seemed like something you just couldn't miss, right? I, and I, when I went, I I didn't even know. Once I I'd never well, I have been to the Wellmore campus before, but I didn't know where this was happening on campus and all of that. So I didn't know where I was going to park. And when I got there, like the roads were full of people you know, midday on whatever day it was, Tuesday or whatever. And so I just showed up, found a place to park and was walking up the sidewalk, ran into Dave Stone, who was there as well. And he sort of helped direct me to, you know, let me know what was happening there. And I just um, actually ended up in the chapel that is across the street from where all the, uh, most where all the students were. And what was happening where all the students were, was also happening in, I guess, the graduate school chapel as well. And uh, it's just a fantastic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, just a follow-up question, that, what was the atmosphere like when you got inside the chapel? Well, it when I first got there in the graduate chapel, it was, it, it, there was, there was a speaker and they were having their own service at that time. And it was it was awesome. And she she explained kind of what was happening on campus. I guess there were so many visitors there that um, they were trying to explain that this had not been planned in advance. Um, it hadn't been prompted by the leaders of the school. It just they were trying to steward, and I think that's the word she used. They were trying to steward what was what the Holy Spirit was doing on campus. Um, then after, after that uh, part of that chapel service was over, they video linked the service at that location as well. So we could sort of be part of what was happening across the street. And I would say the atmosphere was very peaceful. It wasn't like wild and crazy kind of stuff. Like sometimes you hear about, in other revivals, but it was just this calm moving of the Holy Spirit that you just couldn't miss. Um, I don't know how else to explain it. I think Terrence explained it pretty well in when he wrote his article. So I'll I'll let him explain that a little bit more later on. Okay. All right. Mike, you want to go into your co-hosting role and you want to ask Terrence our first question as co-host sure so so terrence in in the article that you wrote for us at christian standard you here's one of the the things that you said that really stood out to me said time will tell what this gathering be a revival awakening or something else truly means 
But until then, we can at least enjoy this moment and point to it as evidence that Christ church is alive and well. We can rejoice that when people want to count out a generation, their obedience to the Holy Spirit sparked a multi-day God moment that attracted people from all across the United States and inspired people around the world. I love that statement. Um, and could you just, Terrence, could you just unpack that a little bit for us and maybe expand on your thoughts there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when I when I wrote that, I was really processing, number one, my own experience, um, having been there and having gone for myself kind of see what everybody was reporting on, um, having not just to see, but being there and um, taking in the experience as a participant as well and just leaning into the Lord in my time there alongside my wife. Um, but then also uh, kind of, in a sense, a response to uh, our brothers and sisters who um, can find themselves falling into a skepticism or cynicism around uh, things. It was really just me saying, hey, I, I'm, I've been there with you. Um, I'm theologically astute like you. I hold to uh, doctrine and, and tradition, and I believe that a fruit of the Spirit is self-control and, and all those different things as well. Um, but we don't have to dissect uh, this moment and in in many ways destroy it before the eyes of man um, when it could be an opportunity for us to invite people into an experience they've never had before. Mm -hmm. um, I just feel like there is a uh, particular spirit in the church now where um, it is almost uh, beneficial to your following to be a cynic of the church rather than someone who celebrates the church. Uh, it's become more popular to point out all the wrong that the church has done rather than celebrate the good that's happening in the church. And so for me, I felt a responsibility as someone asked to write an article to uh, uh, go against that wave a little bit and just say, hey, man, what, what if we stop trying to name something? Because words have meaning and words carry baggage. I, before I got into the restoration movement, I grew up in a church um, that was out of the Pentecostal movement. And so all night uh, prayer services was something I went to my whole life. Um, it was one of the things that I kind of pushed against um, as I left the church for a season. And when I came back in, what brought me back in the church was, an ex was a Southern Baptist experience that was very different than my experience of growing up with all night prayer meetings and watch night services and all the other things. And so for me, even... Uh, hearing about revival and going to see it, it really did uh, cause me to kind of want to not believe it. Um, but I felt the Lord calling me to go and, and experience, and I'm grateful I did so. Okay, when when you got there, can you, I, I was asking before about like what was your experience when you when you got there and were part of that service? How how did you see it? Yeah, you know, so when we got there, you know, uh, I had a little bit better of experience. Like, I, we were able to find a parking spot, like, immediately, which was, like, weird, I guess, for everybody. Um, and then, like like you, I didn't know where to go because there wasn't, like, a lot of noise. You know, there were people still going back and forth to class. And um, we just kind of just started following people as they were walking and ended up at the right place. <laughs> so when we got in, 
Um, there were definitely a lot of people, but we were there a part of the morning chapel. And it was, at first, it was very odd. There was like a, a bluegrass worship band on stage. And I pro- I've never been a part of bluegrass worship. So I, I was to kind Kentucky. of standing there. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to <laughs> I was standing there like, oh, my goodness. I don't know where I've gone. Why did I even come? Like, what is going on in here? And why is there a bluegrass band on stage, you know, making people sing along? Um, but uh, um, but in a, probably about the second song in, I got really convicted. I kind of looked to my left and I saw my wife, who has a very similar church experience to me, leaning into the worship. Um, I looked around the room and I saw other people singing along. And then the worship leader um, stopped for a moment and he invited the room to begin to pray uh, specifically for the people who, who live in the hollers of Kentucky and, and the Appalachia. Um, and, um, you know, and he spoke in a way that, that spoke to their plight. And it resonated with me just understanding my, my heritage as a black man in America and just hearing the plight of people from Appalachia and seeing that a lot of the songs that they sing were the songs I grew up singing just on a different tune. That was just a connection for me, this longing for heaven and just this this prayer for hope for that region. That was the first time I've ever just prayed for mountain people, I feel like, in, in a very specific way. And it just really drew me in. It made me really emotional. Um, and then um, we had the chapel speaker. She was obviously not prepared for uh, revival service, but she uh, shared uh, about, um, you know, respecting the government and but and now respecting the government to ultimately be in submission to the, the king of, of all kings and our respect of the government and just and I thought it was just a great message considering how diverse the room was and the way that she handled that. And then the students uh, came in and they just began to lead us in worship and people began to go forth at the altar and and begin to pray. And um, and it was a beautiful thing. You know, I felt prompted to kind of sit for a while and then I began to read the Psalms out loud just from my seat. Um, and then uh, there was a season where I felt, okay, I just want to go and I just want to... Um, and pray for people who are needing prayer. So I went and I just started praying for people up front who needed prayer. And there were some times where people um, came and found me. Some I had two or three people come and find me who I didn't know. They just saw me praying for other people and brought other people and asked me to pray for their children who were wayward and just different things. So for me, what I felt it quickly became was this uh, beautiful uh, unity moment where um, no burden in the room was a burden somebody had to care about themselves if they didn't want to. Um, if somebody was uh, faithful enough and bold enough and, and humble enough to say, hey, here's my need, that need would have been met in that room. I truly believe that. And it was just a sweet, sweet moment. We stayed for about three hours and then we had to get back to get our kids from school. Um, but it was, it, was a, it was a great experience for me for sure. Yeah. It's just as you're describing that, I just wonder how like pleasing it was to God to see his church like in an expression like that of like real community and real unity and just the the way that you're describing people caring for one another and like entering into someone's suffering that's totally different than you with a different perspective and 
I mean, it really, it sounds beautiful. And um, I'm, I'm so glad that we're getting to share about this. So Haley, you're, it's interesting, your major really kind of tied in in a unique way with this doing public relations and marketing. So did, like, as it was happening, were you thinking about it, like, from, like, your, like, how you would share this experience through, like, your thinking through your major and, like, what you were studying? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Yeah, I'm a marketing major, and most of my focus within marketing is sales, so learning all about how do I sell this product, how how do I sell this service, and really that's, you know, relationship building. to be honest, though, I had no idea that I would be talking to news stations and and not that it has anything to do with me, but I just had no idea that it would get this big. I mean, I even I always tell people the first day that it happened, I was very skeptical of it. I had, you know, you hear about revival like Mac, uh, Mike was saying earlier, and you kind of think this, oh, that's just some crazy emotional experience. So when I first saw it that first day that it was happening, I, I was in, I was in awe of it, but I was also still kind of hesitant to really understand or really give in or understand what was truly going on. Um, so to be honest, that first, I don't know, week or so, I wasn't really thinking to myself, oh, how am I going to share this message? Um, but the more that people kind of started reaching out, not even news stations, just people that, you know, friends, family, people that I hadn't talked to for uh, years. I even had um, several people reach out to me on Instagram who are from Brazil. It reached Brazil, the country of Brazil, more than I think other country. Um, So that was very random. Uh, But as those little things started happening, uh, it was interesting to kind of see just, yeah, just to share that message. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, Haley, that that re- what re- what this revival means for Christians going forward? And can you help us understand from your generation's perspective, what are the pain points and and how might the Holy Spirit be showing up in this time <clears throat> in your generation to to do something different? Well, I loved what um, Terrence, you said earlier in your quote about just how we can rejoice that God's not counting out this generation. I feel like Gen Z gets such a bad rep sometimes because we're always on our phones or we're always, we're, you know, I mean, it's true. I'm not disagreeing with that statement. And, uh, but there's a reason that our generation is the most depressed, the most suicidal, the loneliest generation there is. And I think it's because of social media I think it's also just, and I say this every time that we're so desperate for truth. We're so desperate to know, just to feel content. And I wanted to mention this quote that Tyler McKenzie, he's the pastor at Northeast Christian Church that I went to, and I was at his, um, at the Easter service. And he said something that I felt like really relates to specifically Gen Z, but he was talking about how, you know, we need a savior that can save us. Uh, we can't be our own gods. Um, and I think not even Gen Z, but just in general, we've become so uh, quick to want to be in control of our lives and be able to customize every little thing. And that social media allows you to do that. You know, you can, 
I can decide who I'm going to follow, who I'm not going to follow, what kind of outfit I want, you know, what kind of how I can customize it however way I want. Um, and so it's really easy to become your own God. But uh, as he Tyler kind of mentioned, um, he said, the discontentment that you feel every day is your heart longing for the gospel. And I truly think that's why so many uh, people were coming, uh, specifically Gen Z, is because they're tired of this, that feeling of, of discontentment. They're longing for something more. And I think uh, just going back to your kind of question, what does this mean, you know, for the future for Christians? Uh, I think that Christians should be encouraged by this because, you know, this is an, you know, enlightening time. Um, but I think it also should help us from other generations start to wake up and realize that we have a responsibility to embolden Gen Z um, and in the times that we're in. So. So um, Terrence and Haley, uh, both of you, I, uh, one of the pivotal events within our faith tradition, within the restoration movement, was the Cane Ridge Revival, which happened in 1801. And an estimated 20,000 people attended. And the Spirit of God just worked in ways that were unexpected and some might say quite bizarre. And so, sometimes we're just not able to see what God's doing. You know, because our perspective is too narrow. Uh, Isaiah said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Well, God said through Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. And, um, you know, so sometimes we just can't really see what God is doing. And then we have a, a time like this where we see the Holy Spirit showing up. So either Terrence or Haley, whoever wants to go first on this, how do you think we should be thinking about how the Holy Spirit's working in our time and culture? Yeah, I'll, I can um, kind of talk about it first. Uh, just as a joke, it's funny because there's so many stories that we keep hearing at Asbury of how it's traveled to different countries and here and there. And people are like, we need to write a book about this to have each individual person, you know, write a story about how they were personally affected by it because it's just too hard to even keep up with. Um, but, you know, I, I think that something that our president said, just there was a lot of controversy. Oh, has it stopped? Oh, why is the revival moving? But and that's the whole point of a quote unquote revival is it's supposed to move out uh, from where it started. But you know, when it's something that was started by the Holy Spirit, we can't, you know, we can't do anything about it. Um, we can't stop something that we never started. Um, so that's just kind of the thing that I always think about. And, you know, I think that, as Terrence said, only time will tell. Um, but it's very clear already, I think, just of how far it's traveled through other countries and, and other states, other universities, um, just how impactful it has been already. So you want to add anything to that? Terrence? Yeah, yeah, I think I'll add to uh, that. I think, you know, one of the things that um, I think was, was preceding this whole revival moment at Asbury is that all throughout the country um, over the last few years, we've seen this resurgence of what we might call uh, the charismatic church, um, you know, or, or uh, we like to associate uh, the gifts of the spirit being uh, in practice to you know the Pentecostal church. And there's a lot of debate and argument about uh, are the gifts for today 
And and obviously that line is oftentimes just drawn through whether or not you come from a more reformed background or not. Like that's usually the line, you know. And I think what we've seen is, uh, I think you know, if we were to remove our our uh, our expensive degrees and books that we've paid for to educate ourselves and just read the scriptures and look at the preponderance of the evidence, I think we could just take a step back and see that God is uh, is proving and showing us that his Holy Spirit is not contained uh, to a specific generation. Uh, but his sovereignty is so that even in today's generation, he can unleash his gifts in any way that he would like. And we're seeing that bar none all over the place. And churches that you never thought uh, there would be any semblance of you know, his Holy Spirit working type things. We're seeing it. Um, and I think uh, this this young generation who who for many are really reading the Bible for the first time. There are a lot of we're a lot of people don't understand just how far we're down this road in America when it comes to um, being a not a Christian country. A lot of people live in the mindset that we're losing the country. I've been doing college ministry for eight years now, and I'm and I probably sixty percent of the kids that I do ministry to have never been to church. Um, they don't have a faith tradition. And so we, we, we're well past the losing the Christian worldview in our country. We're now getting to second generation uh, families where there is no uh, church history in that family. So people don't have this uh, tradition and doctrine that they're growing up with. So when they go and they read Jesus, they go and they read the scriptures, they go and they read the, the apostles, they see this power and they see this freedom. And um, I think what we're seeing is a generation, young and old, who are longing for that freedom they read about finally. And they've come to the conclusion that behavior modification, that being faithful to go to my small group, uh, reading my Bible 2.5 times a week, um, giving my tithe, and trying my best not to sin is not freedom. Uh, because those things become our, our medicine when we feel bad. What Jesus came to give us was eternal life today. And a lot of that has to do with, if you go read through the book of Mark, what you begin to see is uh, Jesus moved supernaturally. And it oftentimes had to do with people's faith and belief that he could do it in their life um, and their willingness to receive. And one of the first places we see Jesus get mad is in Mark 7, when the Pharisees are questioning him why the disciples aren't washing their hands. And Jesus calls them hypocrites. And he says, you are you have replaced the law of God with your traditions. And you are putting a bigger burden on people than than what God has given people. And and really, we can take a step back and look at that and say, OK, how are we doing that? What are how are we uh, making the door more narrow for people to come in to receive the freedom that Jesus has? And how is the Holy Spirit in lieu of us widening that door? I mean, there, you know. There's stuff happening all over the place. I have some friends who um, I've done ministry with that recently have uh, gotten uh, connected to uh, deliverance ministry. And deliverance ministry is popping up all over the United States. You know, they, they just had the movie in the movie theaters. And there have been uh, these stories of people going to the movie to see this movie about uh, people being, uh, uh, you know, cleansed from the unclean spirits inside of them. And in the movie theater uh, are being delivered um, uh, 
uh, these these unclean spirits inside them are manifesting in the movie theater. And they just happen to be faithful Christians that are not afraid of that. And they step up and pray and these people are leaving a movie free. And it reminds me of what was happening when uh, when uh, The Passion of the Christ came out and people were going to watch that. And you just people were leaving out of movie theaters crying and churches were filling up all because, you know, so I just think there's just these different moments in time where God decides in spite of you, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to reveal who I am and those who want to come along for this journey. I will welcome them, but I have something that I'm going to do. And so I think we see that in the next generation, we should be looking at the Holy Spirit as our primary means of effective ministry. Hey, everybody, we'll be right back with the rest of this episode. We want to take a moment to thank Mission Alive and Central Christian College of the Bible for sponsoring this episode. Mission Alive equips leaders to start innovative communities of faith focused on transforming marginal communities. They provide church planning, training, apprenticeships, consulting, and discipleship cohorts, among other resources. They can also train you to be a nationally accredited coach through Catalyze Coach Training. This 28-week credential will equip you to impact and transform your church organization leadership and ministry. Learn how God can transform your life and ministry by going to missionalive.org. That's missionalive.org or emailing them at contact at missionalive.org. And Central Christian College of the Bible has low-cost, innovative, and flexible master's programs in ministry leadership and preaching that they want you to know about. These two-year programs are designed to be one-third online, one-third on campus, and one-third supervised ministry by an expert in your interest area. The mentoring courses can offer credit in your local ministry. Graduates like Dr. Don Mahardy and Jonathan Curtis are impacting the kingdom in deeper, more meaningful ways because of their education at CCCB. So find out more at cccb.edu front slash graduate. That's cccb.edu front slash graduate. Parents, can I ask you a question? Like, uh-huh. as you've been in college ministry a long time, so this revival didn't only affect college students, but has had a major impact in that demographic. So what can the church do, like churches do, to receive well uh, somebody in Gen Z who has has been impacted, like has experienced this revival and is bringing that into like, I just think about like mm-hmm. when you have a, like such a unique experience, sometimes the church is the worst place to go <laughs> because they don't know what to do with that experience mm-hmm. and it squelches it. But what, what, what advice would you give to, to churches about how to come alongside like Gen Z that is searching mm-hmm. and has experienced this? Like, what can we do as the church to support them? Yeah. So I think number one, what the what the church needs to do is to realize what what season of the church we're in here in America. A lot of churches are still operating as if we're in that uh, post Billy Graham tent revival season, where there's just droves of people who have an understanding of God. They just know they're doing wrong, and all they need to do is just get connected to a church, and then it'll be figured out. We're not in that generation anymore. Uh, we're in a new season. We're the minority. We're the away team. And we have to understand that the people coming through our doors 
um, in search of truth are not coming in search of uh, correction. They're not coming in search of uh, signing up to serve. They're not coming in search of even just a small group of people have real legitimate questions that they're wrestling with. And the church has to understand that and receive people in extreme patience. We have to widen, widen the length of time that we understand discipleship to take place. We have to understand that evangelism is more than just somebody giving a profession of faith and we dunk them in the water. Evangelism is a process of evangelism. Evangelism starts when you just meet somebody with Christian love for the first time. They may not say yes to Jesus when they meet that Christian love for the first time, but that Christian love moves them towards one day saying yes to Jesus. And the church needs to be a place where people can come and receive Christian love. And we and, and, and we have to understand where that person is. And so we have to become a church that is willing to be available again. I think we moved uh to a place where pastors kind of became unavailable and we need churches where pastors are visible and more available again. I'm tired of hearing about, you know, the pastors who don't want to be around people. I mean, this is not a job for you if you're not wanting to be around people, but being a pastor so quickly became, can you speak good? And we lost the heart of what it meant to be a shepherd. And so we need churches that Believe in shepherding and understanding that being a pastor is probably a 60 hour work week. It is a low paying job. It is a job that you don't get the appreciation. Like we are frontline workers. We are first responders. We're just doing it on the kingdom side. And so it takes a different mindset. And I think once the church is able to, to turn to that and begin to be a place that is more of a waiting room than a graduation stage. I, I think I think we'll begin to see how we can meet some of these 19, 20 year olds that I'm talking to uh, that will not come to a gathering that we're doing on campus, but will show up early for the appointment with me to ask their deep questions mm-hmm. because they, they they have questions. They're they're people oriented versus gathering oriented. They trust you and you have to earn that trust and then use that trust to faithfully and humbly challenge them to step into this new worldview that they're trying to embrace. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have, to, but we, I would say the main word does have to be patient. Yeah. Haley, what would you say to local churches about how to support like your friends, you that have had this experience, what can the local church do to come alongside? Yeah. I, I think what Taryn said is spot on. I don't have a ton of, um, I mean, I'm obviously a student, so I'm not in ministry, so I don't know some of the strategies behind it, but I would agree with what he said. Being available is a huge thing. I also think um, it's really easy to say, well, you should do this or you should do that. Um, but I think that there's more, I guess, uh, let me think of how to say this. Um people want to see you live your life in faith rather than you tell them about it. I, I feel like people are, are, our generation is just not going to be, they have the questions. Yes. But I think on top of that, they also want to actually see you live out the faith. They they want to see the proof. Why is this Christian life, this life that you talk about so much, why is it actually better? I don't think people are as easily convinced by 
you just telling them all of these different things, why it's better if you're living a completely different life. Um, and it takes, you know, like Terrence was saying, it, it takes time and patience and pouring into them and being willing to answer those questions that they have. But I think, it, I think on top of that, it also just takes actually living, walking the walk, you know, um, I think actually authentically expressing your faith is, is super important to convince people that it's something worth choosing. Can I jump in there with that, Tina? Of course. Um, you know, uh, Haley was talking a little bit earlier about sort of the ripple effect of how this transfers from one college campus to other college campuses and then into the church as well uh, to see the Holy Spirit moving. One of the things I've noticed about Gen Z in particular, but people in general today is the hunger that they have. They're the emptiness that they have in their lives that can only be filled by, by God. And so that's an opening for us in the church. One of the things I've noticed that has happened at Northeast Christian is we simply made it, um, we, we've just created space for the Holy Spirit to move. I think sometimes what happens in the church in general is we don't provide the Holy Spirit room to move because we've got everything lined out and overly programmed. And how, how's the Holy Spirit going to show up in a way that we've never witnessed before if we just do the same thing week after week after week? Uh, so we have to just provide some room for that. And we did something very simple, and it just sort of happened naturally but we we put in some carpeting we moved some seats back in our auditorium and this is real practical we moved some seats back we put in some carpeting up front and just for a place that people could come up front and worship uh pray repent uh come ask for help in in doing these things and People started to do that, but it was led by our high school students, these these Gen Z folks. And, and I just met with our high school minister um, yesterday, and we were talking about this. And he has been working with the high school students. One of the things that, that they did um, very strategically is that he taught them about living in biblical community. Spent a lot of time in Acts, the early parts of Acts, and then allowed them the experience of really living in biblical community. And they are part of our 11 o'clock service. And that, that experience of living in biblical community has overflowed from them even during the service. Like the closeness that they have with one another. And with the church in general has just shown itself. So they're actually leading the way. And that's another thing that I would say to church leaders is we might need to allow Gen Z to lead us. And we, we may need a little dose of humility in allowing them to lead us. 
but they but they also need to be equipped to be able to do that. Uh, we're we're seeing we're seeing marriages saved at Northeast right now. We're seeing our largest Easter attendance for quite some time. Just last weekend, we're seeing um, people coming forward and repenting and sharing that with other people. Sometimes older people will come up, come forward and pray. And we actually put a bunch of pillows up front so that even, you know, anybody can come up front and, and pray and worship. And the high school students, when an older person comes up front, I say older, you know, older than them, they go over and they yeah, are older, like 40. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or 60. Or, you know, we've got some 80 year olds who are coming forward, you know, um, with their walkers and coming forward and setting aside their walkers and kneeling down and the high school students coming over and laying hands on them and praying for them. I, I, it's it's just an incredible thing to see. And it's, it's all a move of the Holy Spirit. It, it's not something that we're orchestrating. We didn't we didn't say, hey, let's do this. It just the Holy Spirit started moving and like at um, at uh, the college, we are just stewarding it the best we can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's so funny, like so many times, like I've grown up in the church and you hear people pray for revival. And when this started happening at Asbury and I heard so many people like skeptical and like judging and whatever, I was like, it's so funny how the same people who are praying for revival when some when it seems like revivals come that they, they don't either want to believe it or accept it. And they still want to complain about it. And I'm just like, for heaven's sake, what is wrong with us as people? <laughs> like we can't, we can't rejoice in anything. It's just like we, it, we're such a judging culture these days. So um, yeah, I really appreciate the things that you all have shared. Mike, you want to ask our last question before we go into uh, like the lightning round, like fun questions. Sure. Yeah. Right. And, and I started touching on this, but, um, you know, Jesus used the phrase ears to hear and eyes to see. And then James tells us to be quick to listen and slow to speak. So Haley and Terrence, do you have any advice for us as we try to prepare our hearts to see God's spirit moving, to hear his voice uh, and to unite with him as he moves in our time and culture? You have thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I just personally, with my experience at revival, you know, it was just, it was very peaceful in the moment, but it was also very chaotic and just the sense of, you know, thousands of people coming to Wilmore and we still had classes going on. Um, so it was, a it was a very overwhelming couple of weeks for students. Um, and I, I heard this a lot from people and I experienced this myself, but anytime we weren't inside chapel, we felt like we were missing out. We were like, oh my gosh, like I have class, I, I, I'm missing out. But um, something that one of my professors talked to us about, and I'm going to butcher it somewhat, but he was just basically saying, um, yes, there is something very, very extravagant, very um, humbling and peaceful being in, in Hughes Auditorium. Um, rightfully so. Um, it was a very cool experience, but also um, don't undermine what God, you know, 
can do. He's not limited in that building. And I think that was something that I had to kind of realize, okay, God, the Holy spirit, you can access him, access the Holy spirit at any time. Um, and I would just say personally, that's something that I've been kind of, uh, trying to navigate since revival. I think a lot of students are, how do we go? Where do we go from here? We were at such a, not a spiritual high because it was very real. I wouldn't say it was this emotional high that students were experiencing, but it is just a very hard shift to go from all these people being here to no one being here. Um, So how do you persist even in what seems like mundane moments? Um, But I would just say that just that reminder of knowing that, you know, the same Holy Spirit that was working inside Hughes is, is working in us every day. And we just need to be very in tune with that. So it's just something I've been thinking about. Yeah, that is really good. I, I definitely agree with all of that. I think um, I, uh, I just see ears to hear. And, uh, when I think about that, I just I just think about um, in many ways getting getting back to the basics uh, of what it means to to be a Christ follower. Um, I think we I think we just need to be a church uh, and a generation that really loves God's word and believes it um you know i think we love uh, commentary on god's word we love books about god's word we love themes of god's word and theology of god's word but i don't know how many people actually just love god's word and know it and read it and just saturate themselves in it and i would just say man a call back to god's word because i believe reading god's word purely for what it says and allowing the Holy Spirit to be your commentary, uh, you begin to see things that will bow against your comfortability, and it forces you to decide uh, what will be the authority in your life, and how, and it will encourage you to, to walk more boldly as a Christian, because without a doubt, over the next 10, 15, 20 years, we're going to need some bold Christians um, who are okay with wrapping an arm around a brother or sister in the faith who has a secondary issue different uh, than me. And that dividing line is not a dividing line of fellowship. It is just, we interpret it different, uh, but we believe in the same Jesus. And I think we need, so we're going to need more unity. Um, we're going to need more collaboration with, within churches. Um, no, we We don't need any more of this one man show kind of church deal where this church is running their play and this church is running their play and we're kind of competing for the transfer growth. Um, we really need churches who see themselves as responsible to the city that they are in and responding to the specific needs of the city there. And we don't need silver bullets. Your city has unique needs that Louisville doesn't have. And you can't be mad that your needs are different than the needs here in Louisville. You just need to respond to the needs in your city and where God has called you faithful to be. And, you know, I, I made, I made this joke, you know, earlier, uh, making fun, making fun of uh, reform people. Uh, but I, I, I can make that joke because that's, that's how I became saved through uh, campus outreach, which is a, a PCA uh, organization, Southern Baptist organization. So, I make I make fun, but I make fun in because I love and have been deeply shaped. But oddly enough, two of the people that I've learned the most in this season from are 
two reformed guys who have uh, who through experience with the Holy Spirit have had their worldviews and the way that they do ministry change. God, uh, one guy's older guy, Sam Storms. He's out in Oklahoma City. And another guy is John Thompson. He's up in Canada. And both of these guys have had these experiences where just doing ministry as they were trained to do it came up against this moment where they didn't have an answer for it. And it forced them to say, okay, either this thing that I'm facing as a pastor is more powerful than the God I believe in, or I don't, I don't believe the right way about this thing and I need to revisit what Jesus said about this thing. And we and it's just this amazing thing for me to to read their experiences and learn how God has been doing that for me. And it, there's just so much going on. Um, mm-hmm. Kids are being bombarded from every angle. I have four children. I have to restrict so much on their electronics and their library books and TV shows. Um, there's so much uh, witchcraft and and sorcery and all these things baked into the, the normalcy of our lives now. Uh, we're people are just being exposed to the to the the dark forces more than they ever have. And as a church, we can't just believe in the dark forces, but we have to believe in in, in the God who has authority even over the dark forces. Terrence, when you're saying of- that, you know what I'm thinking of is like when you're talking about that, that's absolutely right. There is so much like um, almost like lulling us to sleep into this darkness. But then when the Asbury revival started, there was so much um, tension like between that, which also made me think not, not that it's for me to say if it's real or not real, but I was like, you know, this is exactly what like something that's warring against something is going to do is so it's almost like when you're saying like this is how our culture is and then the stark like difference or the 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 light that comes from something like the Asbury revival like pushes on the darkness and then there's this as a response yeah yeah because this has been so encouraging you know especially as I'm like out of the US right now and seeing how God is at work in a situation that's terrible with the war in Ukraine, but how his power is still manifesting itself in the lives of people and um, and looking at all of this from outside the U.S. Of, of how God is at work within the church in the States. And yeah, it's it's just super encouraging to see that like our God is global and like he does have power and that the things that we pray for when he answers in a powerful way, we need to rejoice and, you know, and, and acknowledge God's goodness and greatness, you know, instead of trying to let something else claim the credit or uh, blame or whatever for something like that. So I really appreciate that. And it's been so great. to meet you, Haley. And um, yeah, I just found out that Haley and I and Mike, we all go to the same church and I worked at the church that Terrence is at. So this is like Kentucky down home week, except I'm the only one not there. So, but you guys, thanks so much. We have a way that we want to end the podcast more, more so that people can get to know you all a little bit, just in a fun way. And 
Uh, John Teal came up with this. He calls it lightning round. So I'm just going to ask all three of you, Mike, you're now part of the guest uh, category, put that hat on. Uh, and I'm just going to ask a few questions and you all just answer whatever first comes to your mind. Okay. So if you guys had a superpower, what would it be? I may regret this, but I think I would want to read people's minds. Oh, <laughs> like that could get dangerous, but that's what I would want to do. <laughs> All right. Terrence, what would your superpower be? I would probably say uh, invisibility. Mm. All right. Mike. Oh, gosh, that's a hard one. How can I be overly spiritual and say healing? No, that's great. You can say anything you want. I start with myself, but, you know, there's a lot of people who need some healing. Yep. Uh, Okay, here's another one. Have have you ever met a celebrity? Um, I've met Chris Tomlin, the worship singer. All right. Terrence, you met celebrities? Yeah, yeah, I've met met a few. Um, I met uh, uh, Julius Irvin, Dr. J. Met him at the airport. Um, so that was pretty awesome. Got a picture with him. I'm a big wrestling fan. Um, so I met uh, Cody Rhodes um, before. I met him and, and his wife at the bowling alley. Um, and then um, I met Lex Luger, who was a wrestler in the 90s. I met uh, Jim Kelly, a quarterback. I met Thurman Thomas, who was a running back in the NFL. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I was, I've, I've had the chance to meet most awesome. athletes, but yeah, that's awesome. Mike, what about you? Most most of mine have been athletes as well. Um, got to know a few. I had um, I got to meet a couple of the Cincinnati Bengals back back in the day. Anthony Munoz um, met him, and then uh, through meeting him and interviewing him for an article, I got to meet another guy on the team who wasn't well known, but he uh, his name was Ken Moyer. And both both strong Christian guys, and uh, Ken was in our wedding, which was was Aww. fun and interesting. Uh, the funniest one was uh, I was on a plane one time, and there was a very attractive young lady sitting next to me, and start asking each other, you know, what do you do, and all. And she told me she was a professional wrestler. Like, I don't know much about wrestling. Terrence might be able to help me here. It's WWE, I guess. And, yeah. and like, oh, what's your name? And I kind of recognize the name and like, well, how did you get into this? And she says, well, they found me because I was um, I was in Playboy magazine. And I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> I'm like, what, what what did your parents think of that? And I kind of ended the conversation. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. So Mike's thing is what celebrity have you completely got to stop talking to you and yeah, there's exactly your- <laughs> all right so i'm going to ask this question so next time i'm home i can uh i can check them out but what is your go-to spot for coffee or a beverage with a friend panera my my small group my men's group meets at panera so yeah that's my Karen, place what about you where's a good place to like hang out with somebody <clears throat> and talk yeah, and good- it's something to drink. Good place to get coffee and hang in Louisville, especially if the weather's nice, is uh, Senegal's Coffee, right behind Bellarmine University. Oh. Um, that's, my office is probably a block away from there. And it's just a great, they have uh, outdoor picnic tables, and then they have an outside patio that they enclose when it gets a little chilly. So you can still sit outside 
and they have garage doors they lift on nice days. Mm-hmm. And it's just a really, really cool place. Terrence, say the name of it again. Sunagos. I'm, I'm going to say that they have a shirt that has five different ways of saying it because nobody knows how to say it. But I think it's Sunagos. Okay. All right. I'm going to check it out when I'm home. Sunagos, Sunagos. So it's like a funny thing that nobody really knows how to say it. Kind of like Louisville and Louisville and Louisville. Yeah. Haley, where would you go grab coffee with a friend? Yeah, there's a local coffee shop in Lexington called Coffee Times. It's a little bit of a drive uh, from Asbury. It's almost 25 minutes, but um, I don't go there very often, but I, it's a treat when I go, they, they have really good lattes. So awesome. All right, guys, we are, uh, gonna wrap up. I just want to remind everybody that, um, if you would like to donate to Common Grounds Unity, um, this is an awesome ministry that is completely run by volunteers and they're bringing on a staff person, to help coordinate and facilitate this. So check out the website. And there's also a great newsletter that Common Grounds Unity does. So um, sign up for that. Um, They have a lot of good contributing uh, people that share information. There's also a way to try to can help connect people. So um, check that out. And we are getting ready to have a Patreon option. And so as part of that, there is a new thing that's going to be called Second Cup. And so you'll be able to hear a little bit more from our guests. And so um, definitely check that out. So we will see you guys for episode 99 next time. And thanks so much for being with us, you guys. Thank you for listening to the Common Ground Unity podcast. Please check out commongroundunity.org to learn more about who we are. You can subscribe to the essays, join our Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. And please check out the gatherings page where you can connect with other unity-minded Christians in your area. If you want to volunteer or ask questions, please email john at commongroundsunity.org. And lastly, we need your help by donating to this ministry of reconciliation. Your donation is tax deductible. Links for donating are in the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.